For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care, with guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Meryl Griff. Welcome to Caught Between Generations. I'm so glad you decided to join us again today. So for me, this time of year is really the time of of return. It much more the start of a new year, actually, than January is for many, I think, of us. So our children are returning to school. Some of us are returning to work after a summer vacation. In summer, I, I just think things seem to go a little bit more slowly clubs, organizations, even factories either slow down or they completely take a break. And and that's why I think September for me is a time of beginning anew. It's a time of promises to ourselves. So this year, the children and I will be more organized. I will be more organized. No more screaming and frantically looking for papers and permission slips in the morning. My home office or my office will be organized organized and I will have control of my email and my closets will be prepared for the change of season. So Barbara Reich joins us during the first part of our show. She's the founder of Resourceful Consultants, a firm specializing in the organization of people, their lives, and physical spaces. During the second half of our show, Julie Hall will join us. Julie is a nationally recognized personal property expert. She will advise us on the distribution and dissolution of personal property, the valuation of items. I feel like we're in our little own Antiques Roadshow, and how to minimize family feuds and clear out the family home. But let's start cleaning up our own mess with the help of Barbara Reich. Barbara has appeared on many, many shows, including the Today Show and Good Morning America. She has been featured in the New York Times and O Magazine and so many others. Welcome to Caught Between Generations, Barbara. Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you're here. So, Barbara, I'm here. I'm facing all this mess. I, I, I mean, I don't even know where to begin. It is so overwhelming. I mean, I mean, where do I begin? What I tell people to do when they feel overwhelmed and paralyzed, as you're describing, is to, first of all, make an appointment with yourself as if you were working with a professional and treat that time as sacred. So you're not going to really accomplish anything if you have 10 minutes, but If you set aside an hour or even two hours, you can make real strides. And the important thing is to just start. And some people need a friend to come over and be there to get them started. But most of the time what I find is once you get started, you can't stop. 
So are there some general rules about organizing that you could apply to any room or any area? It really wouldn't matter what it was. Oh, absolutely. So one of my my big rules, I call it one of my Ten Commandments, is you want to group like things together. So it doesn't matter if you're talking about the black sweaters or your jeans or crayons or markers or duct tape or light bulbs or batteries. You want all the like things to be together because that's the only way you know how much of something you have and whether or not you need more. Also, another commandment that I use is that you should use uniform containers. So it doesn't matter if you're talking about hangers, for example. It doesn't matter if you have wood hangers, plastic hangers, or metal hangers, as long as all the hangers are the same. And what that does for you is that eliminates the visual noise in your closet. So when you go in a clothing store, you never notice the hangers. They're invisible. You only notice the clothing. And it's because all the hangers are the same. And the same thing holds true if you're using bins in your pantry, if you're using bins in the playroom. They should all be the same. It's less important what you buy than that they're all the same. And you also, another rule is to store things where you use them. So many times people will apply sunblock as they're walking out of the house. And if that's the case, it doesn't really make a lot of sense to have it in the bathroom on the second floor. So those would be three rules that you could apply to any rule of the house. So one of the one of your Ten Commandments that I found interesting that I just would like you to explain is that freebies are not your friends. Why are they not my friends? Because what it is is you're taking things that you don't need and that you wouldn't buy and that you have no place for just because they're free. And I'll go into people's homes and they'll have water bottles. And let's say they have... 18 water bottles, three of them have the name of the bank on them and leak. Two of them are from, like, the sports program down the street. And it just causes you to accumulate things that you don't need or that you shouldn't have. Yeah, well, my problem is not um, water bottles. It's tote bags. I I can't even tell you how many tote bags I have. Yeah. Well, there was a time, and it was probably about 10 years ago, when that was the gift, the monogram tote bag, or if you went on a corporate retreat, there would be a tote bag. So another thing that I do is I take all of the tote bags and I gather them and I put them in stacks by size and we eliminate most of them because you can only have so many tote bags. I know, but I keep having this feeling like maybe I'll need them for something. You know, I should, I should keep them, but you're telling right, me I but- shouldn't. Right, but like what? I mean, if you're moving, you're going to need a lot more than tote bags. Well, you're right about that. You're right. I mean, there would never be a reason you would need 20 to 30 tote bags, (laughs) which is what people have. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That's a reasonable approach. You're absolutely, you're right. I guess I should just sort through them and keep the tote bags of different sizes so I might need them for different reasons. But, okay, so let's talk about school. We're, We're going back to school. So let's talk about avoiding the morning torture. And you know what that is. You know, people are screaming and yelling and running all over the place and looking for things. So how do I get more organized, not only for the morning, but but for the evening? So the thing that you can do to make your morning go smoothly is to prepare the night before. So what that means is that before anyone goes to sleep, the kids' backpacks are packed and by the front door. Your briefcase is packed, it's by the front door. 
if you can put out the makings of breakfast in advance, put the, the Keurig thing in the Keurig coffee machine or get the coffee maker set and ready to go, if you can have the tennis bag, if your child has tennis, if you can do that the night before when you're not rushing, then the morning goes smoothly. I also find that many families, the morning is sort of like Groundhog Day and it's the same thing every day. This child is, you know, going in slow motion <laughs> with the TV on and their teeth aren't brushed. And you just really have to get into a routine. And once you get into a routine, there's not a lot that can go wrong. You know what this reminds me of? Reminds me of um, we have a friend and... Uh, I mean, it isn't funny, but I mean, her, she had to return um, to India because uh, one of her parents was, was ill. And thank goodness, I mean, um, her mother ended up being fine. But he was telling the children, he's like, well, you know, mom has to go back uh, to India for two weeks. And the youngest child looked at him and said, oh, my gosh, we'll never survive. Right, <laughs> right. That feeling of desperation right. of, you know, you know, we're so disorganized, it's just not going to go well. Barbara, what's your suggestions for homework? So I think that people get really hung up on their children having a desk in their room. And somehow people feel that this is the holy grail of success, that if there's a desk in the room, that the kids will be successful. And that's actually not true. But what they do need and what my recommendation is is, is a place where they can do homework where all the things that they might potentially need, they can reach without getting up. So if your child does his or her homework at the kitchen table, then there should be perhaps a caddy that you can take out of a cabinet that has pens and sharpened pencils and whiteout and a ruler and magic markers. Whatever they're going to need should be there because once a child gets up to go get something, they're lost for another 30 minutes. And so it doesn't matter so much where they do their homework, just that they have a well-lit, uncluttered place with their supplies nearby to get it done. Actually, when I, uh, as a therapist, I used to tell parents, especially of younger children, that the kitchen table was a great place to do homework and that everyone should be there, everyone. And that included the parents. And you could be cutting coupons or you could be folding laundry or you could be reading a magazine. It really didn't matter what you were doing. Um, but your presence was was good because you could redirect the children back to the homework. Um, and that's really what they needed. Uh, was that redirection. What, Barbara, are your suggestions for play spaces and, let's face it, all of these toys that just clutter up our houses? Right. Well, if you start by grouping like things together, you can see if you have, for example, six different versions of Monopoly and five different versions of the memory game and what you have duplicates of. So just start by not having duplicates. The other thing I suggest is after a birthday party, that you get rid of or you exchange anything that you already have. And if you decide to keep the newer version, then you get rid of the predecessor version. Um, I also will tell people that right before there is a holiday or uh, an occasion that lots of gifts will be coming into the house, that's when you as a parent have the most leverage of, of all. And to say to the children that this is all the space that you have for toys, and it's full. So 
unless you empty it out, there's not going to be any room for new toys and mean it. And it's also a nice time to incorporate uh, a philanthropic bend. You know, let's, let's take the toys somewhere, involve your children. And I haven't found many children who don't really embrace the, the giving of cho- toys to children who have less than they do when they feel that they're in control of the process. I, I will kind of add in my own little personal suggestion, and that is for those of us who have basements or storage areas, I used to collect some of the toys, put them in bags, and put them away. Um, and then, like, on the third day, you know, it was snowing and there was no school and I was ready to kill the children. Um, I used to bring out these bags, and it was it's like new toys. It was, like, unbelievable. Um, it was, it was well, really great. What you can do is if you have a big basement is you take that bag of toys, and if the kids don't ask for the toy in three or four days or a week, then that's a good sign that you can eliminate it. But what generally happens is there's this big pile of toys that the children see, and maybe they haven't seen those toys for a while, and all of a sudden they they sit and they say, oh, my God, I love this toy, and they start playing with a toy they haven't played with in two years, and you doubt whether it's time or not to get rid of that toy. So Hmm. generally there's this much space for toys, and when it's full there's no room for more toys. Good point. That was a good point, which is why, Barbara, you... I'm sure your home is very organized, and mine is always in process. So we're about to take a break, and when we return, I want to discuss with Barbara organization in the office. And once again, it doesn't matter whether you have an office you go to or whether you it's a home office, the issues are still the same. And I want to talk to her about what she calls digital decluttering. I thought that was a great term. Um, and also some tips for time management. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. At SarahCare, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities at home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. 
your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at caughtbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. This is Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with Barbara Reich, who is the author of many books, but... Uh, one of the ones that is my favorite is Secrets of an Organized Mom. And even if you're not a mom, if you're a dad, I, you will find this book extremely, extremely helpful. So in the first half, we were talking to Barbara about her Ten Commandments for uh, getting organized and spent some time talking about children. And now we're going to talk about offices um, and what Barbara calls digital decluttering. So, Barbara, what is digital decluttering? So the digital decluttering is when you turn on your computer and you have 17,000 emails without exaggeration <laughs> and you are overcome with this feeling of hopelessness of, you know, how will I ever catch up? And, you know, similarly, you're, you're looking for a file and you can't find it and you're looking and looking and looking and it's really because you don't have a functional digital filing system. So... When I start working with a client on digital decluttering, what we start with is unsubscribing to emails that aren't needed and getting people in the habit when they do order something online, unchecking the box that says you want to get further notifications. And that, to the extent that you can decrease the amount of traffic coming into your email, that's the first thing. There's um, another thing that... Um, you know, is, is the bane of my existence, which is the reply to all. And anecdotally, I have a friend who, she has twin girls, they both play on a soccer team, and there'd be, you know, who's bringing the snacks for the team meeting, and you'd get all of the responses, and finally, she, she sent an email out saying, let's not reply to all, no one needs to know each person's individual Situations, and one of the mothers replied to that. I really like knowing everybody's individual situations. So, but I would caution people to, you know, really be very careful about replying to all because it's a nuisance to people, and um, and you don't want to clutter up their inboxes. And um, also, when you're trying to declutter your email, one option is taking every single email from you know. Pick a date and time, you know, a week prior, a month prior, and putting it into a file that you call, you know, emails from this date to this date, and then just ignore them. And then it's almost like you're starting fresh because 90% of the emails that you end up saving, by the time you get to them, the the information is irrelevant anyway. And the the stuff that's important, you'll, you'll get to, or people will email you again if they really need a response. What are, what is your suggestions for uh, passwords and login names? So I use an app personally called One Password that saves all my passwords, and one of the features in it is that it can generate a unique password for you. So you know, make sure your passwords aren't obvious things like your birthday or your address. 
You should not use the same password for every single thing. You need to vary them. But the beauty of using something like 1Password is you only have to remember one password, and then that will get you in and get you to all your other passwords. But writing them down on scraps of paper, um, having them on one sheet of paper is a security risk. The, the best way to do it is to have an app that stores them for you. Barbara, what's your suggestions for actual paper? Because, I mean, I mean, even though all of us are trying to go green and we're trying to go digital, let's face it, um, I mean, we're still dealing, many of us, with paper. Right. Well, really, it's about having, you know, in the same way that I would recommend having appropriate digital files, you need to have a, a place to put your paper. So you, if you don't have a desk with a file drawer, then there are many file boxes that you can buy that are big, small, fancy, or plain, and you need to create files. And one of the biggest mistakes that I find that people make is that they have too many files instead of too few files, so they create a file for every single piece of paper they have when that's really not necessary. So instead of having one file for your car and one file for your garage if you live in a city and one file for the easy pass and one file for the car insurance... You really could just have one file that says auto and have all those things in that one file because it will make your filing much less administratively burdensome and that way you'd be more likely to do it. So let's talk about time management because you said at the beginning of the show that you have to schedule time for this. And and you it's important and in, in the end it'll make you feel better and it'll allow you to be more efficient and thus actually have more time for some things that you like to do. So but how do you do it? I mean, it it's really really hard. It's difficult. It it is really hard. And the best best most important advice I can give is that people need to be pro- they need to be proactive. So if you don't have a plan for your day with a list of the things that you want to accomplish, you're going to end up just reacting to what other people need to get done. And so, for example, you'll sit down and instead of getting the, the things that you want to get done that are meaningful or that are rewarding to you or the things that make you feel accomplished, you can just respond to emails all day. So the first thing is to have a plan. I suggest at the end of every day you write down the things that you want to accomplish the next day. I encourage people to keep a to-do list, to make a to-do list at the end of every day. And it's really taking five minutes to organize yourself. The other advice I give is do not multitask. You know, in our society, multitasking has become this badge of honor, you know, doing however many things you can do at the same time. But... The research shows very, very clearly that when you multitask, there's a degradation in your productivity and in the quality of your work, and it actually takes longer to do everything. You know, I think that's why there's so much in the literature now on mindfulness, um, because, you know, watered down, mindfulness has to do with being focused um, and really not doing 100 things at one time. So I think you're right. Barbara, you have a um, a section of your book about learning to say no. Can you talk about that a little bit? Well, that's also really key to time management. You don't want to end up doing things that aren't important to you, aren't going to bring you joy, and you're not necessarily obligated to do. So people tend to have a hard time saying no, but the most efficient and most productive people that you know in this world 
don't have a problem saying no. It's knowing what your priorities are. And what I encourage people to do, which is sort of freeing to them, is to say no, not why. So what catches people is that they don't know what reason to give. They don't know what excuse to give. And so that's where the paralysis comes in. But if you free yourself from having to say why, it's a lot easier to say no. And you can sort of practice by saying, oh, I'm sure that's going to be such a lovely occasion. I wish I could be there, but I can't. Or I'm really sorry I'm not available to do that. And don't say why. You're not obligated to say why. You know what, Barbara? I think that's actually brilliant because... The problem is that what you you refer to as the sticky situations. I mean, I mean, how many more dozens of cookies am I going to get asked to bake for my children's school? I mean, I'm committed to the school, but you know, or for a women's group, or you know, whatever it is that's going on. I just you know, I just can't seem to get out of it. Because you're right, I don't have a good excuse. I feel like I don't really have a, a good excuse, except I just don't have any more hours in my day to do you what they're asking me to do. You just don't want to do it. When, when you look at women's happiness in particular over perhaps the last 30 years, women's happiness has de- decreased, while men's happiness has stayed exactly the same. And there's many reasons why that is, but most of, of the action, like the cookie baking and the, you know, signing up for the career fair, that's really falling on the women. Yeah, you're right about that. So we learned, we need to learn to say no, and we need to schedule time for ourselves. You're absolutely right. So, Barbara, tell me, what is a professional organizer? Because th- is that a correct title for what you do? That is. Okay. So what is so what a professional a pro- organizer? So what a professional organizer does is they go into your home or your office and they basically find a place for everything and put everything in its place. That would be the best way to describe it. Yeah, I have actually one of my staff who is very, very organized says that everyone in her place, every, everything in her home has a home. That's how she describes right. it. And so you would come in and, and help me or help someone organize it. So if I wanted to do that, how would I find a professional organizer? So there is the National Association of Professional Organizers, and um, that would be a way for you to find somebody in your area. You know, or it's, you know, really word of mouth. I mean, pe- many people find me just online, I guess, by Googling professional organizer and they find me that way. So you also want to make sure, though, and, and professional organizers, I mean, they range in price, um, you know, from 20 to $40 an hour to, you know, 3 to $400 an hour. So you want to find an organizer that is in your price range, but also an organizer who, who you're comfortable with his or her style of working. Barbara, this has been very, very helpful. I, I mean, I, I wish you could stay on. This has been extremely helpful. Could you give us your contact information, your website, your blog? Yeah, so if you wanted to reach me on um, the web, it's um, resourcefulconsultants.com. My Facebook is Barbara Reich, Resourceful Consultants. My um, email is b.reich at resourcefulconsultants.com. 
And the website that you gave us, I'm sorry, the app that you gave us before for the passwords, can you repeat that for us one more time? Yes, that's called the number one, one password. Great. Once again, Barbara, thank you so much. Um, I highly recommend Secrets of an Organized Mom. It really talks about many, many aspects of your life um, and every area of your home, plus her Ten Commandments, which are is just outstanding advice. Thank you so much for being with us today, Barbara. Oh, thank you for having me. It was great. Thanks. Thank you. So when we return, uh, Julie Hall will be with us. Julie Hall is known as the estate lady, and she will be with us discussing understanding the value of items uh, in today's market. So like I told you before, we're going to do a little antiques roadshow, um, but we're going to be talking about estates and how not to be fighting with other family members. Stay with us. I think this is going to be really interesting. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. How's your husband now that he can't quite take care of himself? Or how's your wife now that getting around isn't as easy as it used to be? You'd know if your spouse was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. A full day of customized activities and their home by dinner. And nursing care that's right there with them. How's your spouse? Just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Try it for free. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. There is a distinct connection between your physical health and your spiritual health. You would be surprised at how closely the two go hand in hand. By taking care of your body, you take care of your spirit. And it works the other way, too. Honor God with what He gave you. Listen for the Divine Wellness Academy radio program with Troy Izmir. Tune in live every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. And be inspired to use your body for God's glory. We are surrounded by crises. Domestic violence, mental health issues, rape, suicide. Often, we feel alone if we are dealing with these issues ourselves or we feel powerless to help others who are dealing with them. You don't have to feel alone. Listen for The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope with Jessica Pirro. The show is an open forum to share and get advice from others and guest experts and begin or continue the healing process. Listen live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to drmerrill at cauchbetweengenerations.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Walk Between Generations. Uh, we were talking in the first half to Barbara Reich um, about getting organized. And as I told you, I'm very excited Julia Hall is with us today. She has over 25 years of experience and advises on the distribution and dissolution of personal property and valuation of items for families actually throughout the world. She's been cited in the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg News, MSN Money, and many, many radio shows, including NPR. Welcome to Caught Between Generations, Julie. Oh, thank you so much. So let's talk about a myth, what I think is a myth. You'll tell me if I'm wrong. And that is, if it's old, it has value. That is a myth. You know, there are many different... Uh, characteristics of value. And when I do my public speaking, I always want to see a show of hands. What do you think? When you think of a characteristic of value, what is it? And everybody seems to think it's age. No, just because it's old does not necessarily mean it has value. Uh, they made junk in 1857, too. <laughs> and You're right. Never thought about it. It's very important to think about. Uh, and very often they they attach value to age, and that's not always appropriate. So what are the factors that um, affect value then? Well, I think that there are, oh my goodness, several, maybe nine or ten, but among them being the most important would be condition, good original condition, not restored, not refinished, not repaired, not repainted, good original condition because a collector always wants proof that a piece is really as old as it is. Is the piece marketable? Is it hot or is it not? Um, is it rare? And, and a lot of people will call my office and say, you know, Ms. Hall, I think what I have is very rare. Rare really means extraordinary, like a flawless diamond, and the world just does not give us that many of those. That's why they're so expensive. Rare would be Joe DiMaggio's uniform with pictures next to his beautiful wife, Marilyn Monroe, in that collection, and a letter that he maybe donated that, that uh, uniform to someone. That's rare. But having an old rocking chair is not necessarily rare. Age is a characteristic of value, um, but it depends on what the piece is. Uh, who is the artist? Is the artist known, unknown? Are they a listed artist? Do they have an auction history or not? Does the piece have provenance, which is a written, proven history, a documented history of the piece? What is the piece made out of? You know, is it original reproduction? Is it quality, for example, an exotic wood versus a, a, a common wood? Uh, there are just so many different avenues to look, and this is part of my job is to educate my clients. So I think, Julia, that people think about estate professionals, that you would only use them when someone has passed away. Are, are there other circumstances where you would use an estate professional other than that? Oh, my goodness, yes. Um, you know, when we do lose a loved one, we need guidance that we can trust. But also, there are many other situations in life. Uh, today, we see families in trouble, financial trouble. So we see families in debt who need to sell personal assets to try and make ends meet or pay some hefty medical bills. We see families 
sadly divorcing. Um, we also see a lot of our loved ones are getting on in age, and maybe they're making a change in their residence, and they're moving into um, a retirement community. They're downsizing. Maybe mom requires special care, and she has to move into uh, a specific facility. But we see all kinds of reasons. Sometimes people just want guidance and advice. So how would I find an estate professional? I mean, how would I go about doing that? Well, there are numerous ways to find an estate sale professional or an estate liquidator. You know, the most important thing is you need to do your homework because just like there are fabulous people who have dedicated their lives to this industry, there are that many more who are out to take advantage. So you must research the person, you must research the company, and do your due diligence with the Angie's List, with the Better Business Bureau, with checking references and other community resources such as your attorney or CPA. You know, ask questions and Consider all level of services before choosing um, an estate professional. You know, never choose one based on their fee. We're all tempted to go with the least amount. If somebody quotes, well, I'll do it for 20% and the national average is 35%, you kind of have to figure something's going to give. So it's just very important to ask questions if they are looking for an estate sale provider they can go to the association that I operate, which is the American Society of Estate Liquidators. Our liquidators are outstanding. Okay, that's very helpful. So how do I decide, though, what to discard? I I mean, even working with an estate professional, I have to have input into that. Um, And I think the tendency is, well, oh, this might be valuable in 20 years, so I shouldn't get rid of it. And then you look around and everything's still there. So how do you make those decisions? Well, it's a very personal decision. And as you know, this is an onion with many layers. Not everyone's going to be the same. We see middle-aged children just literally tossing things. We see middle-aged children holding on to things for their grandchildren. But I know as a professional that chances are very good their their grandchildren are not going to want these things. Um, So it's very important to start at the top, if you have things that you know just need to go, like paper goods, magazines, catalogs, old newspapers, old files, purge the house of these things. When it comes down to personal assets, um, very personal and sentimental items, you can't keep everything. I've even seen a woman clutching a toaster. She had to have it. She was fighting with her sister because she had memories of mom making toast. Well, not everybody can fit everything in their house. And the older we get, the bigger this burden is going to become on children or heirs that we leave behind. So it's very important to choose wisely. If you have not seen it or used it, I say within a year's time, you don't need it. And... Statistically, it is shown that we're not going to use it. Oh, yeah, five years from now, we may be looking for that shoelace or that uh, blouse or whatever it may be. But it's very important to just make peace with yourself and say, you know, I think to save time and space, I'm just going to take some photographs of it, put it in a memory book, and let the item go. 
Oh, that's a great idea. I never thought about that. You could mm-hmm. you, you can create a memory book. That's excellent. Yes. So, Julie, what items, though, should not be sold? Are there any items, actually, that should not be sold? Well, sure. Of course there are. There's many of them. You know, uh, for example, firearms need to be handled specifically. Uh, the, I should say the majority of of guns need to be handled with people who have a very special license. Um, alcohol, uh, over-the-counter medications, things like this. Of course, anything that is what we would consider inappropriate or unacceptable to sell to the public. That may be some of the skeletons in people's closets, if you want to use your imagination. Um, you know, there, there are just certain things that, um, for example, if they're not in good condition, a lot of our older loved ones have a tendency to want to glue things back together that have been broken. But we know, for the most part, those things are just not going to sell. So if it's sentimental, that's fine. But at a certain time in life, it will probably end up being discarded because it it won't have much value. So, Julie, what do you think are the biggest mistakes people make when handling an estate? Well, there's a lot of them. And the biggest (laughs) mistakes that I see boomer children making is not taking the time to understand the values before they do anything. I mean before they give it away, before a neighbor shows up and says, you know, I've always liked that clock your mom had on top of the TV. Before you arrange for a charitable donation, do not even divide among the family members until you first have a third-party objective individual, um, such as a personal property appraiser, walk through the home and help you identify what has value versus what doesn't. Someone like myself can also advise people, uh, once I walk through the home or see photographs, it's okay to let go of this. It's okay to pack up these books over here. It's okay to discard these. But these items need to be sold if no one in the family wants it. That's a huge mistake. I would say coming in a close second would be unrealistic expectations. Many people feel that their items are worth far more than they actually are. And... Also, a lot of our elderly loved ones think their children are going to take far more than they do, but we're seeing very strong trends for simplification at this time, and we're seeing what I call massive purging going on from coast to coast. Um, they underestimate the length of the process. You know, it, it, there is a method to the madness so to speak, which I outlined in my book, what am I going to do with all my stuff? And you need time and planning to do that so that you have as as few headaches as possible. And I also see a lot of people not wanting to deal with it while they're still mentally and physically capable. I have some clients who like to make a plan prior to their um, mental or physical Uh, any impairment or crisis situation, and they start gifting things prior to that time, which I think is a beautiful option. My own mother did that right before she passed away suddenly, and I have that precious memory. But there are those that just refuse. Many of your listeners can relate to this. They refuse to let go of anything, and when they pass on or become too ill, 
it becomes a tremendous burden to their children. Julie, I think we're going to take a break. Um, And when we come back, we're going to follow up with that. And we're going to ask you about starting the discussion uh, with your parents and how you do that. And we're also going to talk about minimizing family feuding over possessions. We're here with Julie Hall and the author of What Am I Going to Do With All My Stuff? And also the author of The Boomer Burden, Dealing With Your Parents' Lifetime Accumulation of Stuff. Stay with us. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities and home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. This is Dr. Merrill, and I am here with Julie Hall, the author of The Boomer Burden, Dealing with Your Parents' Lifetime Accumulation of Stuff. We've been spending the whole show actually talking about stuff because it just overwhelms us. And one of the ways it overwhelms us is, unfortunately, through family members fighting over things. So, Julie, what are your suggestions for how you minimize family feuding uh, over possessions? Because I've, I've seen that tear families apart so they don't even speak to each other anymore. Oh, yes. I see this on a daily basis, sadly. And statistically, about 80% of families will fight. Uh, about one thing or another. The best way to minimize feuding is to, for the parents 
to take matters into their hands prior to their death. And what I mean by this is to make a plan for their personal property by asking the children to fill out wish lists, not necessarily a guarantee that they'll get those items, but a wish list, have an appraiser like myself assign a value to those items, and kind of create an equitable distribution list that upon my demise, Susie gets this and Bobby gets this. It is also a wonderful idea to gift while you are still living. I see this option in play with my clients, with my own mother, who passed suddenly two weeks after she gave me a a beautiful, sentimental piece of jewelry. And you get to see the joy on the recipient's face, but it also minimizes future feuding because you're giving these things away. It's so lovely. It is important to remember that whoever the executor or executors are, Cooler heads have to prevail, and somebody has to be a peace broker because in each family there only seems to be one that has a personality that is different from the others. It's important to keep siblings on the same page as to the decisions that are being made. And it is important, I think, equally to understand that some of these disputes didn't happen the week that mom and dad died. They happened back when they were children or adolescents. Mom always loved you best. Mom said I could have that. Dad said this. It's about the executor doing their fiduciary responsibility in securing that home and making the best possible decisions. It is important to communicate openly with everybody and document what has been communicated. And it's really important that when you go to divide, the assets, that that cool head, whoever that may be, provide a comfortable environment. I suggest it's done all at the same time. People need to fly in and be a part of it. Otherwise, misperception will occur and someone will get their nose out of joint and get irritated. And like you said earlier, that's going to fester over the course of their lifetime, not just for a week or two. And I always say to people, when you come together to divide your parents' property, please have soft music playing in the background, bring snacks and drinks, and put a nice big picture of mom and dad in the middle of the room because they are watching and because you need to honor them. This isn't about you. This isn't about us. This is about doing what would make mom and dad proud. And it sounds a little corny, but it always works. Um, Even when my own parents passed, my brother and I handled everything so beautifully. And it was really to honor them and to honor each other. That's that's really a beautiful thought. Julie, but, you know, sometimes I've seen in many families that we deal with through Sarah Care that it's not only the adult children. Sometimes the adult children actually can could settle this between themselves very well. Sometimes it's the daughter-in-law, you know, or the son-in-law, or it's a grandchild, an adult yeah. grandchild, who suddenly is in the middle of this. I mean, what are your suggestions for handling those types of situations? Well, I may take a little flack over this, but I clearly spell it out uh, in my writings that uh, an in-law may be very close to a mother or father-in-law, but it is not their place to be there. 
It should be blood children only, and the children should make the decisions. It's fine if a daughter-in-law wants to say to their son, I mean to their husband, oh, I've always admired that framed print over the mantle. It's fine to do that. It's not okay to go in and demand. I have seen in-laws demand diamond rings. That was clearly not theirs. And I saw a daughter-in-law be given a purple ring, thinking it was just an inexpensive amethyst, but in reality it was a $100,000 stone. And the the whole family turned on her and didn't know what to do. And my suggestion was to sell that ring. And she really didn't want to, but I said, well, you're going to have a target on your back the rest of your life. Why not sell it and take everybody here on a cruise? Wouldn't that be nice? And she did. And the family lived happily ever after. Because, it made, <laughs> you know, and, and it was a great suggestion. Well, right. So, so, go ahead. So, Julie, what happens with, I mean, when things are not put away and things are not decided ahead of time. And you, you, mm-hmm. and I've heard this, you go in, you know, adult children go into their parents' home and they're cleaning everything out. And suddenly they find some things that they're not so happy that they found. You know, it's the family secrets or the parents' secrets that they hadn't gotten rid of, you know, ahead of time. And they're there. I mean, how, how do you you know, recommend responding to that? Well, I always tell people we all have some sort of little skeletons and some people have great big skeletons. And if you have warning that your time is coming, it is your responsibility and obligation to get rid of those skeletons because I see what happens to the children when they find some of these things. Um, You know, I think there are some people who just never speak about it, and they plan on taking it to their grave. I see other children where it it causes, you know, more contention within the family. Um, I think it takes a very special person to handle these sorts of things. We, in my own practice, I can tell you that um, I have even handled the state's uh, murder situations, suicides, some terrible things, really, difficult things to, to deal with in life. And it takes a great deal of strength and courage to put those feelings in the right place and not let them fester or take over. I, I myself have been reduced to tears in the states, and that's a difficult thing to do because of some of the things that we find. So your advice is to think about it now and start getting rid of those things that you might not want someone to find after you've passed on. That's exactly right. I mean, we find letters of extramarital affairs. We find evidence of um, an illegitimate child that happened maybe back in the 40s. But these things can leave scars on the family, and they either need to be discussed or they need to be disposed of. Julie, we don't have a lot of time, so I want you to just, well, to end on a little lighter note, I want you to kind of quickly tell us about the hunt for hidden treasures. You know, especially older people have a tendency to hide things, cash, you know, a variety of things that they hide around the house. So can you quickly tell us, where would we search for these things? Oh, sure. Um, curtain hems, uh, 
sole, you know, the soles, that, the lining that goes inside the shoes. Sometimes we find gold coins in there. Check all coat pockets, freezers, toilet tanks. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Well, uh, sometimes if you have a depression error mother, you may want to even check her bra cups. We have found things sewn into the linings of bra cups. And I think that just comes from a distrust, uh, financial distrust from back in that time period. Um, we do find things in the strangest places, especially if mom or dad has some sort of dementia. Uh, just leave no stone unturned. We have found wads of caches stuffed in garbage bags under the sink. Uh, we have found beautiful diamond rings in the uh, canisters on the kitchen counter, sandwiched somewhere between the sugar and the coffee. Um, you just can't leave any stone unturned if a loved one has dementia. Uh, Julie, this has been great. I, we've so enjoyed having you. Can you give us your contact information? Certainly. My website is theestatelady.com. I'm also the Estate Lady on Facebook, and I have a great blog. It's called The Estate Lady Speaks, and Thank you. Um, I'm always available. Julie, thank you so much. You've given us lots of very, very good information. Uh, And once again, it's the boomer burden or what am I going to do with all of my stuff? The author is Julie Hall. Thank you so much, Julie. Thank you. Thank you for joining me uh, today uh, on Caught Between Generations. Remember, you can always write to me at Dr. Merrill at Caught Between Generations. And almost every Friday, I'm doing a Facebook Live that kind of highlights um, those aspects of the show, which I want to talk to you about. So please join us on Facebook Live for Caught Between Generations. Thank you so much. And as always, do something for yourself this week. Um, And obviously, as both authors feel, one of the things you need to do is to make time for yourself to look at your own possessions and to get organized and you need to schedule some time for yourself take care of yourself you're very important thank you thank you for tuning in to caught between generations with dr mel griff our program is live every thursday at 1 p.m pacific time and 4 p.m eastern time on the voice america health and wellness channel We hope to see you here next week.